Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Hello. Okay, so many of you probably don't know this about Peyton, but she is obsessed with horoscope, and she also reads tarot cards, don't you, Peyton? Mm-hmm. And we know we have like a lot of really great listeners, and so Peyton decided to pull a tarot card for somebody. It's called. Well, hold on, hold on. Well, let's say if if it sounds like this is for you then this card is for you. We pulled it for somebody special. We don't know who this card's for. So if this card, if you feel like, oh my gosh, that was my card, it's for you. And we're going to try try our best to remember to pull one for every episode. So if we don't have somebody that requests it, we'll just pull one and say that this is for someone special. And if you want us to pull a card for you, we're going to try and pull one for every episode. And um, we'll... You just have to do a comment and say, hi, my name is, but don't say your last name, just say your first name. Or you can even say like your nickname for safety and Peyton will pull a tarot card for you. Okay. Okay. Here you go. This card is called the fool. Be brave. Try something new. Take a chance. When you see the fool, it means that it's time for an exciting new adventure. This is a great moment to try something you haven't done before. Do something different. Challenge yourself to be a challenge yourself to be a little bit braver than usual. Take a risk, but do it safely. Do it safely. Cool. So, what do you think? Like, if that sounds like that's somebody that this card's for them, like, what would you say? Maybe Brooklyn, my friend, because she's going to Disneyland tomorrow. <gasps> Try. Some. Has she been to Disneyland before? Um, I don't think so. Try something new. And it's it's it means that it's time for some. A new exciting adventure. That's true. Oh my gosh, what if this is Brooklyn's card? Whoa. Brooklyn, this card might be for you. <laughs> but it might be for somebody else too. Maybe she's like, no, I've been to Disneyland. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not jealous. I'm happy for her. <laughs> I'm not jealous. Okay. I'm ninety percent happy and ten percent jealous. Okay, eighty percent happy, twenty percent jealous. That's also a friend's reference if anybody who's a friend mom is listening. Okay, let's get into it. A Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket, Book the Twelfth, The the Penultimate Peril. Weird word. Chapter 5. When the elevator reached the sixth floor, Klaus bade goodbye to Violet and stepped out onto a long, empty hallway. The hallway was lined with numbered doors, odd numbers on one side and even numbers on the other, and large ornament vases, too large to hold flowers and too small to hold spices. On the floor on the floor was smooth gray carpet that muffled each of the Baudelaire's uncertain steps. Although Klaus had never set foot at the Hotel Dumont before today, walking down the hallway gave him a familiar feeling. It was a feeling that he had whenever he entered a library with important problems to solve, suspecting that somewhat within the library's collection of books was a perfect answer to whatever question was foremost in his mind. 
He had the feeling that when he and his siblings were living just off Lousy Lane that he solved the murder of Uncle Monty which, with crucial, crucial information and he discovered a herpetological library that he had he had this feeling that when he and his siblings were deep in the ocean and he imagined he managed to dilute the poison infected by Sunny infecting Sunny by finding a significant fact in a mycological library belonging to Fiona a woman a young woman who had broken Klaus's heart oh he was like in love with her didn't really okay i mean she kissed him on the cheek and stuff but okay and as he stood in the hallway gazing t- at all of the numbered doors that stretched out as far as his eyes could see the Baudelaire Klaus Baudelaire had that feeling again sudden <sighs> not sudden hidden hidden somewhere in this hotel he was sure someone he was sure was someone or something that could answer the Baudelaire's questions solve all the Baudelaire's mysteries and put an end to all the last of the Baudelaire's war- woes it was as if he could hear the answer calling him, like a baby crying at the bottom of a damp well or an alarm clock ringing underneath a heap of damp blankets. Without a, cl- a catalog, however, Klaus had no idea where such a solution might be. He made his way upward towards the ceiling of the concierge in, Aaron room, in room 674, hoping that whatever he could observe as a flaneur might bring him closer to the unraveling of the Baudelaire's list of misfortunes. When he stopped in front of the number door, however, it happened that he was only adding another misfortune to this woeful list. Smoke was pouring out of the gaps between the door and the floor, spreading out across the hallway in a sinister stain. Hello, Klaus called, knocking on the door. Help yourself, called back a voice that sounded slightly familiar and utterly unconcerned. Are you one of the con- are you one of the conciertinas? Um, I'm a concierge, Klaus said, not bothering to explain that a concertina was a kind of accordion. Um, Can I be of assistance? Of course you can be of assistance, the voice called back. That's why I rang you. Enter at once. Klaus, of course, did not want to enter the room that was filled with smoke, but working even for the purpose of secretly observing the mystery hotel. The mysteries of the hotel usually means doing things that you don't want to do. So the middle Baudelaire opened the door and released an, an enormous amount of smoke into the hallway and took a few hesitant steps in the room. Through the smoke, he could see a short figure dressed in a shiny green cloth standing at the far end of the room, facing the window. Behind his back, he held a cigar that was clearly responsible for all of this smoke wafting into wafting past Klaus into the hallway. But Klaus did not care about the smoke. He hardly even noticed it. He merely stared in dismay at the person standing in the window, a person he hoped he would never see again. You've probably heard the tiresome expression, it's a small world, which people use to explain a coincidence. For instance, if you walk into an Italian restaurant and encounter a waiter you recognize, the waiter might cry, it is a small world, as if it were unavoidable that you too will be at the same restaurant at the same time. But if you've ever taken the short, shortest of walks, you know the truth of the matter. It is not a small world, it is a large world, and... There are Italian restaurants sprinkled all over it, employing waiters who have crucial messages, crucial messages for you and waiters who are trying to make sure that you never receive them. And those pairs of waiters are engaged in an argument that began many years ago when you were so young that it was not safe to feed you even the softest gnocchi. The world is not small but enormous, and Klaus had hoped that this enormous world was big enough that the guest of this hotel at Hotel Dumont employed in the lumber mill industry staying in room 674 would, 
would not be the horrid man that, who had employed him and his sisters at Lucky Smells Lumber Mill. During their dreadful, dreadful stay in Paltryville, the Baudelaire's never saw the man's face, which was always covered by a cloud of smoke from his cigar, and they never even learned the man's real name, which was so difficult to pronounce, so everyone just called him Sir. But they learned plenty about his greedy and cruel behavior, and Klaus was not happy to learn that this enormous world was going to treat him to another helping of Sir's selfishness. Well, don't just stand there, Sir shouted. Ask, ask what you can do for me. What can I do for you, Sir? Klaus said. Sir rolled around, whirled around, and the cloud of around his head whirled around too. How do you know my name? He asked suspiciously. The concierge. The concierge doesn't know your name, said another voice patiently. Klaus and Klaus saw that the smoke of the second person that he had noticed sitting in the bed on the bathrobe with the Hotel du Monde embroidered on the back. This man was also familiar from the Baudelaire's days at Lucky Smells, although Klaus did not know whether or not to be happy to see him or not. One on on one hand, Charles had always been kind to the children, and although his kindness had not been enough to save them from danger, it is always a relief to discover that there is a kind person in the room that you had not noticed previously. On the other hand, however, Klaus was sorry to see that Charles was still partners with Sir, who had enjoyed bossing Charles around almost as much as he did the Baudelaire's. I'm sure the concierge is just calling his male's guest at the hotel, Sir. Of course he does, Sir shouted. I'm not an idiot. Now then, concertina, we want to be taken to the sauna right away. Yes, sir, Klaus said, grateful that either Frank or Ernest had mentioned that the sauna was room 613. The sauna is a room constructed constructed out of wood and kept very, very hot in which people can sit in the steam, which is believed to be beneficial to one's health. And Klaus have found it would have found it very difficult to find such a room in the Hotel du Monde without a catalogue. The sauna should be right down the hall on the opposite side, Klaus said. If you gentlemen follow me, I'll take you there now. I'm sorry that we made you come all the way into the room just to take us right down the hall, Charles said. It's my pleasure, Klaus said, and I'm sure that you know when people say it's my pleasure, that usually means something along the lines of, there's nothing on earth that I would rather do less. But the middle Baudelaire was hoping that he could learn why the Baudelaire's former guardian and his partner had journeyed from Paltryville to the Hotel Dumont. Let's go this very instant, Sir shouted, marching into the hallway. Don't you want to change into a bathing suit, Charles asked? If you're fully clothed, you won't be able to get the benefits of the steam. I don't care about the health benefits of the steam, Sir shouted. I'm not an idiot. I just love the smell of hot wood. Charles sighed and followed Klaus out of the room, out of room 674 and into the hallway. I was hoping that my partner would relax during our stay here, he said, but I'm afraid he's taking a businessman's holiday. Oh, a bizman's holiday. Bizman's holiday is an expression which refers to when people do the same thing on vacation that they do in their everyday lives, such as plumbers who visit the museum of sinks or villains who disguise themselves on their day off. But Klaus could not believe that these two men were merely vacationing on in Hotel du Monde just two days before VFD was to gather. Are you here on business, he asked, hoping that Charles would keep talking as they approached the sauna. Don't tell that concertina anything, Sir cried, continuing to use the word accordion instead of the word hotel employee. He's not supposed to be at our beck and call in He's supposed to be at our beck and call, not nosing around in our business like a spy. Forgive me, sir, Klaus said as calmly as he could. We've arrived at the sauna. Sure enough, Klaus, 
Sir and Charles had arrived at room 613, which had a mass of steam pouring out from the gap between the door and the floor, like a mere image of Sir's cigar smoke pouring out of the room of 674. You can wait outside, con- you can wait outside, concertina, said Sir. We'll shout for you when we're ready to be escorted back to our room. We don't need to be escorted back to the room, Charles said, timidly opening the door inside klaus could see nothing but a mass of whirling steam it's just down the hallway i'm sure the concierge has enough to do with waiting around without waiting around for us but someone has to hold my cigar sir shouted i can't walk into a room full of steam with a head full of smoke i'm not an idiot of course not charles said with a sigh and walked into the sauna sir handed handed klaus the cigar and strode into the sauna before the cloud of smoke around his head could clear Behind him, the door started to close, but Klaus thought quickly and stuck his foot out. The door remained open, just a crack, as he quietly and as quietly as he could, he swung the door back open and slipped inside, pausing to balance Sir's cigar on the rim of one of the ornamental vases. Just as he suspected, the steam was so thick inside the sauna that he could not see Sir or his partner, which meant the Paltryville citizens could not see him either. Either either while they sat and talked into the heated room it was a a flaneur's perfect opportunity to eavesdrop in a private conversation i wish you could be more polite charles said his voice drifting into the steam there's no reason to accuse that concierge of being a spy i was just trying to be cautious sir said gruffly as a word a word here which means in a tone indicated that he had no intention of being more than polite Klaus heard the crinkling of his shirt suit and imagined that the lumber mill owner was was shrugging. You're the one who said enemies might be lurking in this hotel. Well, that's what I was told in the letter that we received from Charles. According to J.S., we must be very cautious if we want to find the Baudelaire's. Klaus was grateful that he amazed that his amazed expression was hidden in the steam. The middle Baudelaire could not imagine why the mysterious imposter J.S. was helping Charles find him and his sisters, as, and if it had not been so hot in the sauna, he would have broken out in a very cold sweat, a phrase here which means felt very nervous about the com- conversation he was observing. I don't want to find the Baudelaire, sir said. Those orphans were nothing but trouble for the lumber mill. They were the cause of the trouble, Charles said. Count Olaf was. Don't you remember? Of course I remember, sir cried. I'm not an idiot. Count Olaf disguised himself as rather an attractive young lady and worked in that sinister hypnotist to cause accidents in my mill. If the Baudelaire's didn't have that fortune waiting for them in the banks, Olaf would have never done all that mischief. It's that orphan's fault. I suppose you're right, Charles said, but I still would find, I would still like to find them. According to the Daily Punctilio, the Baudelaire's are in a heap of trouble. According to the Daily Punctilio, sir said, the Baudelaire's are murderers. For all we know, that bookworm with the eyeglasses could sneak up right on us in the hotel and kill us to death. The children aren't going to murder us, Charles said, although after their experience at Lucky Smell's I could hardly blame them. In fact, if I manage to find them, the first thing I'll do is is give them my sincere apology. Perhaps I can find one of the concierges for a pair of of binoculars. J J S said that they might be arriving in the submarine, so I could watch from the periscope from the sea. Ooh, from the submarine! We know who has the submarine, huh, Pei? I wish that a room had a view of the pond instead. Sir said, "When I'm done with the cigar, I'd like to drop the butt of this." I'd like to drop the butt of this calm body of water and watch the pretty ripples 
to watch the pretty ripples. I'm not sure that it would do good for, for the pond, Charles said. What do I care about the pond, sir demanded. I have better things to do than worry about the environment. The finite forest is running low on trees, so the business is bad for the lumber mill. The last big order we have was to build a horseradish factory, and that was a very long time ago. I'm hoping today's... I'm hoping Thursday's cocktail party would be an excellent opportunity to do some business. After all, even if it weren't for my lumber, this hotel if it weren't for my lumber, this hotel wouldn't even exist. I remember, Charles said, we had to deliver the lumber in the middle of the night. But sir, you told me that you never heard from that organization again. I didn't, said sir. Until now, you're not the only one who gets notes from this fellow J.S. I'm invited to the party and he's, that he's hosting on Thursday night, and he said that I should bring all of my valuables. That must mean plenty of rich people will be here, rich people who might want to buy some lumber. Perhaps if the lumber mill becomes more successful, Charles said, we could pay our employees with money instead of just gum and coupons. Don't be an idiot, sir, said. Gum and coupons is a fair deal. If you spend less time reading and more time thinking about lumber, you'd care more about money and less about people. Well, there's nothing wrong with caring about people, Charles said quietly. I care about you, sir, and I care about the Baudelaire's. And if I and I, if what J.S. wrote is true, then their parents, excuse me, the door opened from the the door op- of the sauna opened and swung open and Klaus saw a tall, dim figure step into the seam. Is that my concertina sir barked i told you to wait outside no i'm one of the managers of the hotel said either frank or Ernest. we do have a cons- uh, concertina available in room 786 if you're interested in musical instruments but i'm sorry to interrupt your afternoon oh i'm sorry to interrupt your afternoon but i'm afraid i must ask that all guests vacate the sauna a situation has arisen that requires the use of this room if you're interested in the steam there's quite a bit of it in the in room i don't care about the steam sir cried i just like the smell of hot wood where else can i smell hot wood except for the sauna room 547 is dedicated to organic chemistry replied the man the manager there are all sorts of smelly things in there klaus quickly opened the sauna door and pretended to walk inside i'd be happy to take the guests to room 547 he said hoping to observe the rest of sir and charles conversation no no the manager said you're needed here you're needed here concierge by a strange coincidence there happens to be a chemist standing in the hallway who would be happy to escort these two gentlemen oh all right sir said and stomped out of the sauna where a figure stood in a long white coat and a mask such as a surgeon or a chemist would wear over their nose and mouth. Sir reached down and picked up his cigar from the ornamental vase, restoring the cloud of smoke to his face just as a cloud of steam evaporated, and without another word, his partner followed the, followed the chemist away from the sauna, leaving, leaving Klaus alone with the vil- volunteer or villain. Be very careful with this, said either Frank or Ernest, handing a large, rigid object to Klaus. It was something flat and wide, rolled into a thick tube like a sleeping bag. When it's unrolled, the surface is very sticky. So, so sticky that anything that touches it becomes trapped. Do you know what this is? Oh, it's flypaper, Klaus said, remembering a book that he had read about his adventures as an exterminator. Is this hotel having an insect problem? Our problem is not with insects, said the manager. It's with birds. It's bird paper. Oh my God, how terrible. I need you to attach it one end of the sill to this room and and dangle it outside over the pond. Can you guess why? To trap birds, Klaus said. You're obviously very well read. 
said Ernest or Frank, although it was impossible to tell whether he was impressed or disgusted with this fact. So you know that the birds can cause all sorts of problems. For instance, I've heard about the swarm of eagles recently who stole a crowd of children. What do you think of that? Are you going to read a tarot card for the next one? Yeah, okay. Klaus gasped. He knew exactly what he thought of those great swarm of eagles who kidnapped the troop of snow scouts while the Baudelaire's were living in Mount Frat. He thought that it was horrid, but the face of the volunteer or the villain was so unfathomable that the middle Baudelaire could not tell the, the could not tell if the man was man if the manager thought so too. I think it's remarkable, Klaus said, finally, carefully choosing a word here which means either wonderful or horrible. That's a remarkable answer, replied the replied either Frank or Ernest, then Klaus heard the man the manager sigh thoughtfully. Tell me, he said, are you who you, who I think you are? Klaus blinked behind his glass and then glasses and sunglasses that lay on top of them. Deciding on a safe answer to a question is like deciding on a safe ingredient to a sandwich because if you make the wrong decision, you might find some, that something horrible is coming out of your mouth. And as Klaus stood in the sauna, he wanted nothing more to say than to decide a safe answer. Such as, yes, I'm Klaus Baudelaire if, you were talking, if he were talking to Frank or... I'm sorry, I don't know what you're talking about if he were talking to Ernest, but he knew that there was no way to tell if either answers were safe, so he opened his mouth and said what he could think. Of course I am who you think he's, I am, he said, feeling as if he were talking in code, although a code he didn't know. I'm a concierge. I see, Frank or, or Ernest said, unfathomable as ever. I'm grateful for your assistance, concierge. Not many people have the courage to help with a scheme like this. Without another word, the manager left and Klaus was alone in the sauna. Carefully, he walked through the steam and felt his way to the window, which he managed to unlatch and swing open, swinging a shut open, swinging a shutter marked O, oh, marked six, but backwards, hanging over the pond. Remember, because why is it backwards? Because the reflection on the, the yeah. yeah, reflection on the pond. Sorry, I couldn't. I started talking because I didn't know if you remembered. Okay, why is it back? Why is the six backwards? Because um, it's because of the the building is backwards because of the pond. What what about the pond? When you look into it, it says the what building. Oh, you can see yes, just like you did with the book in the mirror. Yeah, good job. As it will happen in a very hot room, when a very hot room is exposed to cold air, steam will race through the window and evaporate. With the steam gone, Klaus could see the wooden walls and benches that comp that comprised the sauna, and he only wished that everything were as clear in his own head as it was in room 613. In silence, he attached one of the one of the ends of the bird paper on the windowsill, his head still spinning with a mysterious observation as the flaneur in his mysterious errand as a concierge. In silence, he dangled the rust outside, where it curved stiffly over the pond like a slide at a playground. In silence, in silence, he gazed at this strange arrangement and wondered which manager had requested such an odd task. But before he could leave the sauna, Klaus, Klaus's silence was shattered by an enormous noise. The clock of the lobby of the Hotel Dumont is, is the stuff of legend, legends, a phrase here which means a very famous for being loud. You said that, huh? Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It is located in the very center of the ceiling at the very top of the dome, and when the clock announces the hour it bangs and its bells clang through the entire building making an immense deep noise that sounded like a certain word being uttered for each one for each hour 
Don't close your eyes. This moment, it was I'm 3 reading. o'clock. No, keep your eyes open because you have to read a tarot card for the next one. I will. Okay. When it was 3 o'clock and everyone in the hotel could hear the booming and the ringing of the enormous bell of the clock uttering the words three times, wrong, 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 as he returned away from the sauna's open window and walked back down the hall upwards towards the elevator, Klaus Baudelaire felt as if the clock was clock was scolding him in his efforts to solve the mysteries of the Hotel Dumont. Wrong. Wow. Oh, sorry, sorry. Wrong. Wow. He, <laughs> he had tried his... No, I'm doing it like soft. He had tried his best to be a flaneur, but when he hadn't observed enough to know exactly what Sir and Charles were doing in the hotel, wrong, he had tried to communicate with one of the hotel's managers, but had been unable to discover what he was, Frank or Ernest, and, most wrong of all, he had performed his errand as a concierge, and now a strip of bird paper was dangling out of the Hotel de Mon, where he would serve some unknown sinister purpose. With each strike of the clock, Klaus felt more and more wrong as he stepped towards towards the small of the elevator. He frowned and thought. He dearly hoped his two siblings had found more success on their errands. As for, For as he walked through the sliding doors and pressed the button to return to the lobby, all the middle Baudelaire could think about was everything wrong, wrong, wrong.